Mercy, I call virgin mercy and ministry mercy fulfilled. And Paul, in this first, in this first sentence, is reflecting on the mercy that he received, and he is thinking about that mercy against the background of the severe hardship that he had experienced in ministry. So his conversion obviously looms large in his heart and he is remembering that God had been extremely merciful to him. And as Bible readers, we know that Paul was persecuting the church. Paul deserved death. Paul was opposed to Christ. And God had a knocking down the way to Damascus, blind him, and then commissioned him, and basically rescued him from certain death and destruction. So I think that is looming in Paul's mind. So God not only saved him, but then God empowered him and placed him in ministry and sent him to the Gentiles. So he's saying here in verse 1 of this text, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So I'm not going to let the problems get me down. I'm not going to let the difficulties get me down. I'm not going to let anything that plays on my mind get me down. I'm going to push forward and share the gospel. I think that is going through his mind at this stage. So let us start by acknowledging that it is God's mercy which brings all of us to salvation. Only God's mercy. We have nothing to offer. And when we think of the gospel, we often think of many things And somewhere in that is mercy. But we also think of confession. We think of repentance. We think of love. We think of pardon. We think of forgiveness. And so forth and so forth and so forth. But I want to encourage you this evening. In this short time together. I want you to think. When it comes to the gospel. I want you to think legal. I want you to think legal. Because in essence, the gospel is a legal transaction. Sinners are transgressors. All of us, we are transgressors. We have broken laws. Somebody say amen. amen. I just want to make sure with me. <laughs> we have broken laws. And breaking those laws incur penalty. See, the, 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 the laws of Barbados and jurisprudence across the world did not wrong this guy. It's based on God's law and on God's way of doing things. So in truth and fact, God is holy, yes, he's righteous and, and so forth. But God is also just. And God has a legal character. You know that he's the judge of the world, and one of these days every man will stand before his bench and will be rewarded justly. So when you think of the gospel, I want you this evening to think legal. Because all of us have incurred penalty. So all who have sinned against God are accountable. And we know that the penalty for breaking God's law is death. Okay? So I am here trying to set up this sermon in such a way that the mercy of God be magnified. I remember years ago I was trying to get back to flexion into six bat five batteries and three trucks down. And a friend who would not believe this. A friend who was obviously monitoring people very fast on the road. Clock me! And reported me <laughs> and charged me. <laughs> and it ended up in court before the magistrate. 
explained to the magistrate this thing was in a hurry to get back to my workplace to get these trucks fixed. Yeah, because we have some international flight security. And the man just shake his head and says, Where? Where's your license? The point is, we see the soy squash. But then you are in real trouble. So if they beg you for mercy, you know, he said, um, I'm going to find you $600, I think it was. Yeah, somewhere around here, I can't remember, because that's quite a way to go back in the nineties. But I remember this thing, he took my license for six months. Took my license for six months. And the obedient, the obedient person that God had made me, I decided to go and buy a bicycle. <laughs> because I wasn't living far from my workplace. So I rode. Um, the, other, the other night, I see Tebby came with me for a bicycle. And he says, look, this is fantastic, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am sharing that with you to show you how great God's mercy is. Because that was a traffic violation he could have easily overlooked it. Give me a warning and a reprimand and set me on my way. But he didn't do that. Right? So think about the gravity now of breaking God's law before a holy just God. Think. That was one violation, but how many violations have we accumulated? I mean, literally thousands. Come on, thousands. How old are you? Go forty. How many days we've gone saying this? We talk word and deed. <laughs> All right, but I magnify God's mercy. Amen. Magnify God's mercy. Alright, so I'm using the thing legal. So every sinner is condemned. And every sinner has no remedy at all for his sin. He has no solution. He has no recourse. And to this very sad state of affairs, God has responded to us poor guilty sinners with a remedy. Fantastic remedy. And that remedy is found in Christ. So this is what the Hebrew writer had to say about it. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. In relation to the gospel and to this ministry of mercy God has established for us and I praise his name and magnify his name this evening. He says, look, for this reason we must pay much close attention to what we have heard. <laughs> because there are many two stories that it's knocking around, or two solutions that it's knocking around. Pay attention to what you have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. There's nobody in the world merciful as God here. Nobody. He says, for so love, every word spoken through angels prove unalterable. And every violation and act of the disobedience receive a just punishment. In other words, if God had a deal with you based on the magnitude and scope of your guilt, if he had a deal with you, how will you escape if you neglect your framework? Of mercy he has put in place through the gospel. And the truth is, you can't escape. Alright? Now, I'm not here to say that I didn't deserve the six months. And I'm not here to say that I don't deserve hell either. Because I deserve both. Come on. I'm serious. I deserve both. But look at God's great mercy in Christ. Look at his great mercy in Christ. In this legal framework, God takes my guilt and my penalty and he exchanges it through his son's innocence and life. 
and sets me free. And think about it. Think about what Jesus suffered in order to make that possible. And you will get an idea of how great and terrible my sins are and were. And when you, when you, when you come to the realization of these things, you have no other recourse but to really praise and honor and glorify the Lord. The Senate can bring nothing. Augustus M. Top Lady in 1776 penned the following words in Rock of Ages. And you all know the line. He said, In my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. There's nothing that we could bring, nothing that we could do. And God graciously, graciously extends mercy to us. So Paul is seen here based on the mercy he has received. He does not lose heart. He's going to continue to preach. He's going to continue to share the gospel. And he's going to continue to present mercy to men in the hope that some of them will be saved. And I'm saying to us when we reflect on the magnificent mercy that has been given to us, we, we should have no other compunction either. But listen to Paul a little further. He says, in regards to this gospel, I mean to present it as clearly and as transparently and as powerfully as I possibly can. Because really in Paul's heart, he cared about men. He understood that without God's mercy, they are going to suffer the consequences of eternal damnation. So Paul is saying here, I must press forward and I must do it as best as I can. And that is why he says in verse 2, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame. In other words, anything that would bring shame on the proclamation of the gospel, I have renounced. That is why we encourage people who stand in the pulpit and who stand in the gap for the Lord to walk worthy of the calling you have received. You see, the message is powerful, there's nothing wrong with the message. But if the message is tainted, it can have a debilitating effect. So God wants you to put away, renounce the hidden things because of shame. He says, not walking in trickery. Don't try to polish up the gospel for the sake of. I don't know who will make it in the kingdom. This morning my son preached on Numbers chapter 7. And it was a pretty probing message. Because he was talking about the fact that in Numbers, um, God commanded the Jews in their second year in the wilderness to keep the Passover on the first day. Of the, on the 14th days of the first month. And then in Numbers, if a man providentially hindered cannot be there, he was given a chance to keep it the second month. Alright, so God had a little leniency on people who could not get there. Yeah? But the fellow who stayed home and refused to attend because of delinquency and indifference, God said, cut him off. So he went on the line talking about church membership and church attendance and how people stay away from the Lord. He was also talking about communion because the Passover really is a shadow and a type of communion. Yeah? And Christians, just like every Jew had to take the Passover, every Christian should come around the Lord's table. And you should not stay away from church or that. 
unless you are providentially hindered. So just to, 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 to stay home because rain flood. <laughs> unless along your house flood out. Rain doesn't please God. I can't tell you what to do. But I tell you it doesn't please God. It does not please God. Right? And we better be grateful that we are enjoying great mercy through grace. Because back then, go and read it this way, go and read number seven. All who did that, God says, cut them off. No, I'm not going to stop and try to grab it and cut them off me, but read the face already. But this is the truth. So Paul, so he, sorry, so the point I was making is that afterwards he asked me, he said, look, you think people were offended? I said, no, boy, when you preach, don't worry about who gets offended. Preach. Preach the words. Okay? So I'm sitting here as a look at this. Paul basically is saying, I am going to share this word as clearly and as impactfully as I can. I'm going to renounce the things that would bring shame to the gospel. I'm not going to walk in trickery nor distorting the word of God to appease somebody's conscience. He says, but by the open proclamation of the truth, I'm going to commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I'm going to preach the gospel clearly and truthfully and where the chips fall, let them bloody. That's what he's basically saying. And I have to do it because of the mercy that I have received. Because when Jesus spoke to Paul, he did not patch up anything. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And we tell him, it is hard for you to kick the green secret. And what did the Lord do to him? The Lord took his sight. And then the Lord told him that he was going to be using him and dispatch Ananias to come and pray for him and give him back his sight. And then the Lord carried him away, gave him a lot of revelation. This we can't go to right now. Right? But the truth of the matter is that Christ did not patch up anything. The Lord did not patch up anything. You, you know that the gospel will be a lot more readily accepted by men if the doctrine of hell was not in. You know how many people are offended by the doctrine of hell? You know a lot of people are offended by reformed theology? You know people are, a lot of people are offended because God has choice you know, people may get up and people can choose cheese and ham and all sorts of things, but everybody's got to choose something people vex. But again, we've got one right there. So, Paul, in, Paul's intent was to share the gospel clearly and powerfully and truthfully. And he was going to commend himself to every man's conscience in the sake of God. And he says, you know what? For those who might be complaining that the gospel isn't clear or that Paul is smudgy in what he is presenting, he says, listen, two things are happening. First of all, God gives light. Nobody can see the gospel of hope light. We can come to that. But then he says, if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to people who are perishing. Because if tonight you are in here and you are not perishing, you have eyes to see. You have eyes to see. But if you are perishing, provided you are blinded to the hope of the gospel. Because the gospel saves and the gospel extends mercy to Christ. He says, for we do not preach ourselves. We are preaching Christ Jesus as Lord. And what do we preach about him? That Jesus suffered and died in a sinner's room and stayed. And that he rose victorious from the grave. And that those who put their trust in him will be saved. And furthermore, Paul went on to explain that anybody that put their hope and trust in the Lord 
and experience rebirth will be submissive to the Lord's Lordship. That's what he explained. Right? And then he mentions in this text, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, be referring out to the creation light at the top of creation, is the one who has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And basically what he's saying is that people who can see, are you saved this evening? You understand the gospel, you understand the word? People who can see and understand their loss and understand that they receive mercy through grace from the Lord Jesus Christ are people that God has shown his life into their hearts. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And that is basically what he was saying. So basically also in these verses, he was saying in truth and in fact, nothing is wrong with the gospel. If anything is wrong, it is wrong with the people. Not the gospel. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. There's nothing wrong with God's light either. Something is wrong with the people. They are the people who should really take the blame. And a lot of times people cannot see because of their own indifference and unbelief. Something that I have noticed in church across the years, and it's really sad, you know. Um, this morning we were reminded that many twos and trees are gathered together. Community, church, Christ is in the midst. So I am certain this morning, this evening that Christ is here too. Because we are gathered here in the name of Christ. He's here. Yeah? He's here. Right? And when he shows up, he brings illumination to our hearts. Now a lot of times, God prepares a minister, he prepares a message, and he shares it with the church. But he had people who needed it. Nobody present. So then, that in itself affects them. And their own indifference to God, and to commitment to the church community. Their own unbelief, that in itself hinders them. And they are not able to see. And furthermore to compound this, Paul says, if a gospel is hidden, it is hidden because the God of this world has blended the minds of brothers, of persons really, have blended the minds of persons. Do you know that the devil, in truth and in fact, works expeditiously to blind the minds of persons, to confuse you, um, to rob, rob your truth, um, to bring confusion in your understanding and so forth. I believe that Satan does that. Have you ever been meditating on something scripturally and all of a sudden other thoughts begin to affect your mind and then you have to catch yourself and refocus? Think about that. Think about that. But that happens. So, this is what Matthew Henry says here. He says that God illuminates the soul to see the truth of the gospel and to turn to Him. He says that God gives physical life but also spiritual light. And that light comes first and is necessary in conversion. We all know that from John 3, 3, that man can't see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. 
So in truth and in fact, the church needs to pray for light for sinners. Because we must have light first. So Matthew Henry says, Spiritual light is more glorious than the light which God commanded to shine out of darkness. It is a pleasant thing for the eye to behold the sun in the firmament. That's in the sky. But it is more pleasant and profitable when the gospel shines in the heart. As light was the first born of the first creation, so it is in the new creation. The illumination of the spirit is his first work upon the soul. Remember what Jesus said that the entire world is in darkness, but he is the light of the world. He says, the grace of God creating such a light in the soul that those who were sometimes darkness are made light in the Lord. That's true based on the scripture we just read. So then there is an excellency of power in the gospel of Christ. To do what? To enlighten the mind. To convince the conscience. To convert the soul. And to rejoice the heart. <laughs> Bless the Lord. And all this power is from God, the author. And not from men. Who are but instruments so that God in all things will be glorified and must be glorified. So this is what Paul is essentially saying in conversion in God's ministry of mercy. It is he at work. In spite of the difficulties and the unbelief and problems we have. God is the one who enlightens the soul and saves. And therefore, he has to push forward and he has to proclaim the gospel. Think about that. So, let's talk a little bit quickly you now about mercy in ministry. Now, I will admit to you that the difficulties of ministry can cause discouragement. And we in ministry in this century, living in Western society, we have not been exposed to the sort of problems that Paul and the others would have faced in Asia Minor and other places. But we do experience difficulties as we minister. And difficulties can cause discouragement. And some of the things that Paul listed here, um, we should take note of. It's interesting to note that Paul acknowledged he was weak. He needed to rely totally on God. He describes himself as a container made with clay, an earthen vessel which is very easy to break. And it is very helpful for us to recognize our limitation and mortality. He considered God's ministry of mercy a great treasure of which he was a servant and which dwelt in such a fragile and weak body or individual. So, let me just read here verse 7 and comment on what he says. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And then he went on to itemize the different ways in which trouble came to discourage him. He says, we are afflicted in every way. Now back up your mind and think of all of the things that Paul went through. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was persecuted from city to city. 
I mean, I cannot stop this evening to go into those things. It would take too long. But Paul was afflicted greatly. But look at verse 8. He says, in spite of the affliction, he was not crushed. He was not crushed. Because God was sustaining him. He says he was perplexed. That is, sometimes his mind would grow sort of here well. And you answer, and, some, and probably was asking himself, but why is this happening? I'm over here preaching the gospel. I'm over here offering them mercy. I'm over here doing something that is going to save them. But why is, why is there so much hostility towards me? Have you ever been perplexed as a Christian? And you're wondering why things are happening to you and going wrong? Have you ever been perplexed? Paul certainly have gone through situations where his mind was under assault. And that is why he comes back, I think he's in Philippians 4, and said if there's anything um, noble, if there's anything good, anything of good report, and so forth and so forth. Um, think on these things. That is why so many things he wrote, that mind that is in Christ be in you. You see? That's why he said, in, in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds. You see? So sometimes life is very cool and calm. But when trouble starts to occur, you can become very discouraged in your mind. And Paul says that I have been perplexed, but not despairing. Not coming to the point where I'm prepared to quit and give up. But I am trusting the Lord that I'm going to get through this difficult problem. He says persecuting, but not abandoning. Think of Paul in prison in Philippi. Foot in stocks and so forth. Not knowing what next is going to happen and what happens at midnight is earthquake and fall is free. Yeah? He says, struck down. He, he is speaking about things he has gone through. Paul was stoned and was dragged out and was, as scripture says, as they. And so, and theologians feel that during that time he went into the third heavens and saw things that man is not permitted to speak about. So he says, struck down, but not destroyed. Because he got back up, right? Got back up. So, we see here in this text, the mercy of God in ministry. And um, one of the things I'll say to you, I don't have any statistics in front of me, or it's not fresh in my mind, but I've been reading about many pastors who burn out and give up. Burn out and give up. They said that the give up quitting rate is a bit too high. It's very uncomfortable for the church. Yeah? And I encourage you here this morning, I mean this evening, to pray for your class. Pray for me. Pray for all the ministers of God in the church. Right? But it's good to know that in the midst of the affliction and the perplexing and the persecuting and the, stri and the striking down, God still holds us up. And he did that for Paul. Then he says in verse 10 that he was marked for death. <laughs> the only reason that we ministers are still living is because God is keeping us alive. You think I'm here preaching the gospel and you preaching the gospel and the devil will not let you write you off tomorrow? Same as all Christians. But God in his divine power and help spares us. He says he is always carrying around in his body the dying of Jesus. And Paul knew, look, Paul was living on the edge, you know. Paul was living on the edge. Paul knew any moment somebody could push a sword through his heart. It was that crazy. Right? And you know the time they come when in Barbizon to get so? Right? Somebody was asking here recently, this is a small diversion when we get back to this, whether the tribulation, the rapture is going to come before the tribulation and so forth and so forth. I'm not going to get into the which is which and so forth. But all I'm going to tell you is, 
If some of the texts I read are to be taken this way, it's going to get very dangerous. Where you are here. Where you are here. And I'm not going to spend any time to do that because we'll have to read more scripture. But where you are here is going to get worse and worse. Anyhow, that will take me down a path that will take too long. So listen. He says he was marked for death, carrying around in his body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in his body. So you can understand the pressure that Paul had, but in the midst of that pressure, he was challenged to proclaim the mercy of God in the gospel. He says, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. You see that? So death works in us. But as we preach under that Lord, life works in you. Because he is able from a position of experience to preach the gospel. So Apostle Paul did not despair. He pressed on. And that brings me to the final stage of this message. And it is mercy fulfilled. Right? Now, they told you at the top of this message, God's ministry of mercy has purpose. Right? Everything that God does has purpose. I had a city church this morning. I asked, because interestingly today, several of our members had different activities. The church was pretty scanty. That's a good thing. That's a good thing sometimes. <laughs> because everybody sometimes when only a few come together, God does some amazing things. And I told God at the end service, boy, that is amazing. Five persons turned up. Right? A guy who was involved in a ministry of drug feeding drug addicts in Turkey. We had a chance to talk to him about the church in Turkey. For all of you here. Um, I have good news for you, for you. There, is, there are reformed churches in Turkey. Alright, maybe we're studying the seven churches and we recognize that all of those churches were now gone and that the entire landmass of Asia Minor, you know, a lot of these churches that all ministered were all gone and it was no fully Islamic. I started to feel weird about it. See, these people, millions of people, all this land mass, this Islamic. When he came this morning, I brought joy to my heart. You know? He told me there are reformed churches in Turkey, right? And a lot of them are situated in areas where tourists frequent. So there's a sort of relaxation in a secular way to outsiders. I tell you also is outsiders of Islam, non-Muslims. And the church in that environment has a chance to be established and grow. So he told me that the congregation down there now fills both the top of the building and the bottom. And that on, on mornings or whatever they are preaching in Arabic or whatever the Turkish people speak at the top. And they are preaching in English to the congregation at the bottom. But the church is not filled. And they say, Glory to God. Glory to God. The gospel is making headway in Muslim lands. Okay? So I was really fascinated with that. So I was saying to the church this morning, from some point in the message, that a lot of people do not even know why they are here. We may think we are here to be engineers or lawyers or to be dads and husbands. Yeah, maybe so. What was your main reason for being here? Your main reason for being on earth is to glorify God. You have no other purpose in it but to bring glory to God. And then as the 1689 confession says, and to enjoy Him for That's the reason why you were created. And if you are focused on something else, I think that your focus is basically off. Because that is why you were created. So 
ministry of mercy has purpose. And the purpose of it, when we read this text, is to bring many sons to glory in Christ. Right? And that is where you and I come in. Because we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his mouthpiece. We are the ones he told to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. Tell them about God's mercy. Warn them about the consequences if mercy is not applied. And don't patch it up and smoothen it out and be fearful of telling men the truth. Tell them the truth. Whoever the chips fall, let them lie. But be truthful. Tell, tell the gospel. Right? So Paul says here in verse 13, but having the same spirit of faith, and he's referring to Psalm 116, verse 10. Now you don't have the time to read Psalm 116, but we love to read it. But you can read it. But he's referring to Psalm 116, verse 10. Having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe therefore he spoke, referring to David, who went through many afflictions, but believed that in spite of them, God was going to accomplish his task through him and deliver him. Okay? He says, we also believe. Therefore, we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. Somebody said, Amen. And will present us with you. So all of us are going to be coming before the Lord. He says, for all things are for your sakes. Interesting. I'm going to let the story preach on that. All things are for your sake. All the good things and the bad things. Come on, lift up your head and praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> all things, all things are for your sake. So that grace having spread to more and more people, come on, share this gospel, will cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Don't keep yourself up mercy to yourself. Share it finally. Hearts are going to be illuminated by God because the power of God is in you. Of destiny. Of earth of destiny. You can't do it. God will do it. Therefore, Paul says, because of these dynamics. What he says here, verse 16, we do not lose heart. Oh man, it's quite difficult we do not lose heart. But though our outward person is decaying, yet our inward person is being renewed day by day. And I must say that sometimes you will crack your own body. <laughs> but I, you know, do you have the crack your spirit? I don't feel so. You come in here and start singing these songs, man. There's a joy in your heart, huh? But you might still not be able to raise your hand too well because you got something there that won't free now. <laughs> yeah, but our bodies are getting older and they are dying and they're decaying. Yeah, but Paul says the inner man, the inner man is being renewed day by day. You know, so in spite of all the little niggles and, and problems. Paul has a, had an enthusiasm. If, you know there's a word in the psalm, that word extol. You know what it means? We give talk with me. It means to glorify or praise God enthusiastically. Not just oh I praise you, God. I mean enthusiastically. <laughs> That's what it means. He says we do not lose heart. But though the outward person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. Then he says in verse 74, our momentary, our lives are really, really short. So what are you going to do for Christ and what are you going to suffer for Christ? And Paul knew this. It is for a short time. Very short time. So give it all you have. Right? Give it all you have. Because death is closing in on all of us. Okay? It's 
closing in on all of us. So do what you can and do it to the Lord with the best of your ability. He says that this, he says that it's a, and, and, and you know, oh dear me, look at Paul's words. He says it's a momentary light affliction. Is this man crazy? Based on the things that he went through? A light affliction? Man, sometimes we get a little headache and it got us wobbling. It's a light affliction. Where is it? Light. Light, man. Light affliction. It says a momentary light affliction. And it is producing for us, look at Paul, an eternal way of glory far beyond all comparison. Meaning if you remain faithful and true to the Lord and you share this, this ministry of mercy near and far, you are building up serious way of glory far beyond all comparison. Don't be able to get home and look back and say, oh, I should have gone to church more often. I should have witnessed more often. I should have prayed more often. I should have supported the ministry of the church more often. It's too late. It's too late. Think the act is no. Do it as best as you can. Because Paul says, a great eternal weight of glory is being built up. You see? This ministry of mercy, God wants you to run with it. He says, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This is interesting. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that we can't see are eternal. Now, I leave this one thought here with you tonight. You would have read in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. You know what it is saying? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. You know what Paul is saying? When God has changed your heart and you truly believe, that is evidence that what you can't see is real. Because listen, I'm going to leave this with you. Faith doesn't drop this straight again. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3 2, in English, my little scripture is there. He says, I don't even know if I have it. Maybe not, maybe they do, maybe not. You see, we have it. I think I do. Yeah, 2 Thessalonians 3 2. Paul makes this very curious statement. He says, for not all have faith. See? He says here, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Hmm? See that? Pray, finally, pray for us that what? The word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Pray for that. As happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. Because, listen, not all men have faith. So don't expect a wicked man to believe that Christ rose from the dead. Or don't believe, don't expect him to believe the Bible is true. Or don't expect him to believe that the world was created by God. The reason why he will never do that is because he has no faith. But faith is of divine origin. Faith is a gift. Maybe something God pours into you. Then God does. And it's part of the, and, 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 it's, and it's in the mercy package. I hear me, it's in the mercy package. The light comes, and the mercy comes, and the faith comes. It comes from God. The Paul makes that clear in Ephesians 3 and 94. By grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. Mm hmm? It is the gift of God. Who, who does it come from? God. The gift of God. Lest anybody should boast. Lest anybody should boast. So not all men have faith. Not all men have faith. So I was telling you that the, the Hebrew writer is saying faith. If you have it, you have, if you have faith, you believe, it is the evidence. The 
faith in you is the evidence of things not seen. Alright? And they rejoice. They rejoice. Because I was not there on Mount Calvary, Jesus was near the cross, but I believe every word. <laughs> I wasn't there when he came when he came on the third day, but I believe every word. Yeah? He's coming back again, and I believe every word. So let me just give you one warning. There are a lot of fellas that got PhDs and masters in three and four and five degrees and are consistently saying on social media that this thing caused the world to be created and that thing caused the world to be created and the third thing caused the world to be created and I'm saying to you all of it is lies. God in the beginning created the heavens. Right? That's the truth. That's the truth. And in academia today, if you stick by that, you're going to be discredited. You may even lose your certification and you may even be fired. But what are you going to do when that perplexing issue comes? Huh? You're going to give up? No, no, no. And that time is coming fast for all of us. Alright, look, I got a minute minister close. Let me say to you, let me say to you, I would like to leave here this evening with the desire in your heart for everybody to be exposed to the mercy of God or the mechanism for the mercy of God every day of your life. Paul received it, and if you were saved, you have received it too. And Paul endured affliction for it, and Paul continued to preach it all his life. I want to encourage you to do so. Good saying. God illuminated and made many sinners his children through Paul's ministry. And I pray this evening earnestly you will do the same in your life. Let us face up the fact sinners are facing a hopeless future before Christ. Completely hopeless. There's no hope outside of Christ. Acts 4.12. The only one name given a moment under heaven whereby you miss. Whereby men must be saved. I encourage you to tell men of God's mercy available through Christ. 